0: Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your
1: best audacious life ever. So, without further ado, here is the odd man. Greetings and salutations, I'm Audley Stevenson And thank you for tuning in to the most audacious podcast The internet has to offer This is the Audacious Living Podcast And I appreciate you taking a time, a moment out of your day And being here with us as we continue our ongoing goal Of helping you live your best audacious life ever As always, I encourage you to connect with us through our social media channels uh, We're on Twitter and Instagram under the handle theaudacious. Pod, And then if you head over to Facebook and enter the Audacious Living Podcast in the search engine, you'll find us there as well. And I'd ask you to be a part of that community. Uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're happy to watch, if you happen to be watching this edition of the podcast on YouTube. Then you can click the little notification bell down below and you will be immediately connected. Every time there's new content that comes out, you'll get instant notification. So certainly I'd encourage you to like, follow, subscribe, share. Tell a friend, do your part to keep this audacious conversation going. Now, Uh, You've picked a a great episode to join us if you're here for the first time and uh, if you're a returning listener, I I say thank you because uh, this episode is all about fun and good times Uh, and that's what we'll be doing here on the Audacious Living Podcast. Uh, The topic of conversation literally is is all about fun and I'm pleased to have uh, Dr. Michael Rucker join us uh, and he'll help us explore the science of fun with us a, a little bit further. Now Mike uh, has dedicated his his entire career to positive psychology and and the study of fun, or the academia term for fun is subjective, well being and um, he actually 's got a book coming out in the not too distant future called "The Fun Habit," where he really dissects the topic of fun and gets into the science of it to, to help individuals better understand the importance of fun in our everyday lives. Um, he provides strategies that we can use to ensure that we find ways to continue those fun times, and then just you know, a, a, a general explanation of how fun improves our overall well-being. And uh, hey, you, you think of the, uh, the, the the 90s film by uh, with Robin Williams, Patch Adams, the doctor who was injecting fun into uh, the, the lives of his patients. So uh, it's a really fun chat with Mike that I know you'll all enjoy. Uh, in fact, at the start of the conversation, we had a, a really cool reflective journey about hip-hop and how it influenced us as a kid. And that was a lot of fun uh, to reflect on that as well so hey we're all about fun here on the audacious living podcast so without any further ado here's my conversation with, with mike rucker enjoy
0: you know really connected to altruism and moving things forward and so um it was one of those rabbit holes I was happy to go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I, I will tell you, growing up, um, uh, so, so hip hop really meant a lot a lot to me as a young teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I connected with the artists like you know Big Daddy Kane and Cool Cool G Rap and all these guys who they they, they kind of made me feel like you know what, you ever have like that that uncle that kind of tells you those things on the side that your parents won't. That's what it felt like, right? So. Sure. sure in my mind, they kind of had this connection and, you know, they were integral to my growing up and it's interesting that they weren't that much older than me. Right. But, you know, nonetheless, that was, uh, who I connected with. So they were, they were my, my uncles, I like to call them.
0: <laughs> oh, it was an interesting time. Right. I mean, not, not to get off in that weeds, but I, I'm so I'm a 9 nine-year-old and a six-year-old and I'm dealing with, you know, the gatekeepers of information, wow. but it's funny that you say that because I think, you know, uh, Most kids, I'm sure everyone's experience with it was different, but I remember uh, when my buddy brought over an NWA cassette tape, because that's how old I am, and like putting it in and being like, what?
1: (laughs) What do you want to do to the police? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And like, but, you know, now my nine year old, I I didn't, I, you know, wasn't ready to share some mature information with her. And she turned around. And maybe rightfully, because I probably would have done it at her age, just Googled it, because that's what you can do now. And that's baffling. I mean, I kind of feel almost fortunate that I didn't have the access to information, you know, that had to be sort of, to your point, you know, um, it it was given to you in doses. um, And anyways, I digress, but it was, it, it was interesting yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it, it is. And, and although it, you might think it's a digression, it's not because you know, I, I very much feel like that was a, a fun time for me. I would like to think of my childhood growing up and um, the, the learning in that fashion, discovering and and opening up a, soul, a whole new world for me. So uh, I, think it's, I think we're very much in line with what we're talking about here, about to talk about. So uh, <laughs> I think we're good. We're all good.
0: <laughs> well, and then it's interesting too, right? Like again, going down that rabbit hole about growth. Cause like, you know, going back to the Beastie Boys, like, certainly that wasn't the best message for me at that time, but right. I resonated with it because it was fun. And then, um, you know, Ad Rock got challenged, right? Like, hey, you know, you wrote all this crazy stuff when you guys were kids in Brooklyn. And he's like, yeah, and we grow, you know, like, yeah. you're gonna, you know, um, it's an interesting time right now. Like, I certainly believe that, you know, the reckoning uh, needs to happen and it's uncomfortable, yes. and, and but. Um, It's also interesting when you hold someone's feet To the fire when it's age appropriate you know yes but uh that we're really getting off the rails
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah the the last point i'll make and i'll stop is i'm certain if we uh go back to a lot of these artists and we ask them about their music and ask if there's anything that they've ever said that they regret or they think twice about and i mean we talk about artists comedians whomever art writers all kinds of people and you ask them is there something that you've done now that, that you look at now that maybe you regret or think twice about. And I'm sure that I'll be like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that, or this wasn't appropriate or, you know, but it's a time that they're at. Right. So there we go.
0: And it was manufactured. Like you look at, you know, um, Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin were asking them to do that stuff. Yes. yes. Which is really interesting now where you have kids just wanting to be kids. You know, um, I don't know much about him, but you know, the little I know about Justin Bieber were, his handlers are doing the opposite, you know? So it's really interesting how the pendulum has swung, you know, where um, we used to celebrate the amplification of, you know, boisterous behavior, fun behavior. Um, And then now, you know, we're we're limiting it, you know, the obviously, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, and now I feel old too, right? Like a (laughs) 50 year old being able to sit in my armchair and (laughs) like, but I can only imagine how my you know, I, I'm proud of who who I was and had, you know, I've always felt good about most things in my right. life. Right. Certainly if social media were around, um, it would have been troublesome for almost <laughs> all, all of my life <laughs> like,
1: yeah. yes, i agree i agree, I agree. <laughs> i'm with you on that one mike for yeah. sure and i look i i had no idea you know again that this rabbit hole would go down but i, <laughs> I, I appreciate that i was not expecting to have a introspective look at the you know the, <laughs> the, the intricacies of hip-hop music back when you were yeah. children but anyhow nonetheless uh, certainly wanted to uh, and I appreciate you being here to have you know this t- conversation the topic of fun and, and and really why it resonates with me is that I, I kind of feel that's how I've lived my life and it's been a, a core aspect uh, of who I am and so to know that there's an entire science around it and that there you know there's, a, there's you know the people putting real work into this um sort of sort of validates me a little bit so uh that certainly is one of the reasons but I I, I wanted to reach out to you and glad that you could be here I wonder, so to- I wonder if we could start I wonder if we could start talk start off with you sort of talking about kind of what got you on this path
0: yeah so um the sort of the origin story of this is uh i've been a big sort of advocate of positive psychology i found um a gentleman by the name of marty segleman who's uh written a bunch of positive psych books him and cheek set me high um tend to be two of the male figures that are spoken about a lot when we talk about at least academic positive psychology right Um, in fact um the ippa which is um Uh, The International Positive Psych Association's conference was just this week or this past week, Um, and I'm a charter member of of, of that organization. And so I've been kind of following, you know, the science of positive psychology, um, which is more about happiness and and in academia, we call it subjective well-being. Um, And I've been using a lot of the tools, you know, things like savoring and, Gratitude journaling and, and things of that nature pretty effectively up until um 2016. I'd really been pursuing happiness. Um and uh and that year my younger brother unexpectedly passed away. Um, he had a pulmonary embolism. And around the same time, I also found out that um I had advanced arthritis, and I had been up until that point an endurance athlete. And then was basically told that I could, that I wasn't going to run again. Right. Um, and so it was a year where, um, you know, I, I had kind of lived this Pollyanna life up until that point and things, you know, were, were really good. Um, and, uh, and so I was trying to use some of these tools to kind of get back into this, you know, zone of happy and it just wasn't working. Um, and so, you know, I was like, there's, there's gotta be another way. And so, you know, long story short, um, being an academic, I sort of started digging into the research and realized that even though we've been talking about happiness for quite some time, um, there really wasn't with the exception of, um, you know, things with regards to, uh, elementary school design and stuff like that, right. there wasn't a really ton of research done on fun, which is a lot, you know, employs a lot more of what we call in science agency, right? Like a lot more of our ability to take action. Um, you know, rather than just sort of thinking about, you know, our emotions and things of that nature. And so I kept trying to be happy. And the more that I chased happiness, the more I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, fast forward five years from now, um, I'm to find out that, yeah, people that are overly concerned about happiness um, do tend to be less happy. And the reason that uh, we believe that is true is because When you're sort of always focused on, you know, how can I be happy? You're generally looking at um, what's missing in your life, right? Like, oh, you know, this whole idea of comparing yourself to the Joneses. um, We call, uh, there's something called the hedonic treadmill that no matter what you do, um, we generally tend to fall back to an emotional state that we're comfortable with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Contrast that to fun, to answer your question. It's very much an action-oriented approach. So as long as you're not looking to like, you know, always one up the next thing, you can always interject fun activities. And once you have a bias towards fun, that sort of becomes your modus operandi, as it were, everything else kind of falls in place, because you're not necessarily looking for rank, you're looking at, fit, right? Like, how do these things fit into my life? Um, And you're able to curate a lot better, right? Like, hey, this really isn't pleasurable for me, I'll get rid of it this is pleasurable for me. Let me explore it. You know, let me use my curiosity to find more of it. Right. Let me find, you know, a, a fun guy to talk to hip hop about. You know, like, like are <laughs> right. just a lot less concerned about what's happening to you and you're using your agency to, um, you know, create the life that you want to live.
1: Got you. I, I, I very much appreciate that the, the, the explanation. Because that was actually one thing I wanted to ask about was the correlation sure, sure. between sort of happiness and fun, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and how fun can lead into that, and or because I think it's possible where you can have, you know, you're having a, you know, a, a bad day, or maybe you're not going through an enjoyable experience, but you can still interject some aspect of fun, uh, which I- could which could increase it or, I mean, it could, I mean, it could actually, I mean, it could turn your whole day around or it maybe just be for that moment. Is that fair to say?
0: No, it's absolutely. Uh, What I was going to interject is it it was, that was the big uh, epiphany when my brother died is like, I don't want to identify as happy every time I try to do. It's not a happy time for me. Like, you know, I need this time to grieve. At the same time, Mm -hmm. and I'm geek speak a little bit. So um, when we talk about emotion or, or affect in science, we either say something's on the positive side of valence or the negative side, right? And so, yeah. you know, in general terms, you're either having fun or, you know, they're, you know, you're not, right? Like, and there's all these word clouds that we could go through that were not because, you know, people know what's fun for them and people know what's, you know, agonizing for them. You know, it could be boredom, it could be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there were things that I wanted to do that were going to bring me joy where I didn't necessarily have to say I'm a happy person, you know, and that's what I discovered, because a lot of times you're sort of searching for happiness, like, you know, what I need to process my brother's death, or, you know, what is there to process? Like, that's just kind of lame, you know, like, it happened, and some things in life suck. Um, And eventually, you know, I will sort of, you know, get to this acceptance, but there wasn't, like, I wasn't wronged, you know, it was just happenstance, right? Right. (laughs) And so what was really needed there was time. And so I could either spend my time like wallowing and that's fine if you need to do that. You know, we all process grief in, in different ways. That wasn't necessarily what I needed to do because it was just really bad luck. And so I started, you know, figuring out how can I look at my schedule and interject things that I will find fun given my circumstance and like, I was blown up, like, holy cow, you know, we don't talk about this enough. Like, because um, you need to do it in a way that's with empathy, right? Like some people, you know, I- I- if you have clinical depression or things of that nature, because sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll go on um, podcasts that really do have a psychological slant. And right. um, there's uh, someone by the name of Sober, excuse me, Sonia Lubomirski out of UC Riverside that's done a lot of research about. Um, what percentage uh, of our biology versus our happenstance has to do with happiness, right? And so based on a lot of research that she's done, um, we're in control about uh, of about 50%. So 40% is biological, um, 50% is sort of within our control, and then 10% has to do with um, happenstance, like you know where you were born, what kind of resources you have, things of that nature. Um, and so you know if you're clinically depressed i just need to be careful like some of these things might not work right because you really need to get on level footing but if you're not if it's just you know things aren't breaking your way or you know you're in there's a series of bad luck or you're in a place divorced some sort of loss you can still go out and have fun and a lot of people don't understand that because instead they'll sit and, and, and wonder you know of perseverate on on their circumstance um and, and that's what i really love about fun is that you know especially when you look at components of it like laughter um you know playing they really are equalizers if you look at them at face value right like um you know you can go to a pickup game of soccer or basketball and you have folks all walks of life and as long as they aren't judging each other or trying to like figure out each other's circumstance In that moment, they're having fun and you don't really need to know, you know. Um, And so that 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 part is what I think is lovely. And also you can choose to have fun. You know, the next hour we could go out and go, you know what? I'm going to go race my car or you know whatever you find fun
1: well uh, and it's so much in the moment right like i think and and i think that's a key one so regardless you know what you're going through what's happening in your in in the broader world uh you know there's all sorts of bad things happening in the world that doesn't mean fun can't exist so i think the point about being in the moment mike is is really important
0: yeah exactly yep yeah
1: um uh, adults, adults struggle with this a little bit because they think we're supposed to be adults, and when you're adults, you're supposed to behave a certain way, and uh, you you, know, you love the innocence of children, right? Because children get it, and they, right. they they have fun, and they always have fun. They seem to, and and we we sometimes got to learn from them. Um, I wonder if you to talk about sort of the, the the problems that adults, the misconceptions they place on themselves.
0: Yeah, no, that's a uh, um, so I'm really fascinated by this topic um, in, in the in the book, the Fun Habit that's coming out. I talk about it um i did a bunch of research for the book and i went to um uh children's museums and science museums you know where adults and children you know cohort and, and play mm-hmm. uh, and one of the things that i found the most fascinating is when children and adults you know obviously usually their parents um because you know adult style children are really welcome or, um but so when parents come in with their children you know for the most part the children uh, sorry in these um experiential places where you have things like blocks you know and, and tubes and you know you can build stuff children will go in there and immediately start having fun their eyes light up you know they get excited they, they there's this you know um moment of arousal like wow what can i do if there are other children there they start to you know what we call storming forming and norming you know they'll start groups figure out who the leader is um sign tasks no one tends to get upset um, adults will sit in those environments paralyzed because, and it's not necessarily our fault, right? It's because uh, the world is complicated, right? And to make sense of the complexity, we learn what science calls heuristics as as, as we go through life. Um, and we we learn these sort of subconscious and conscious um, algorithms, you know, so that we can, we can operate and so that we're not overwhelmed by this mass amount of, uh, of ambiguity, um, but because of that, a lot of the times in places that should be a lot of fun, we sit there waiting for instructions. So you know, I, I would sit in these environments, and the, the parents would be paralyzed. And you know, some that were too, I guess, embarrassed to ask would just sit there and kind of you know be flies on the wall. Um, the others who you know had a, had a little bit of um, uh, you know either curiosity or uh, you know the gumption um, would ask the folks at these science centers like so what do i do like literally (laughs) why the kids have already been off to the races for 20 minutes you know and literally being you know having to be told like okay well you you put one block on top of the other right and as soon as they got that invitation to play then they were having just as much fun if not more fun than the kids and so you know being the geek that i am i did dig into the research and that's a real problem because um, you know, what, what we do as adults is we don't want to be curious anymore. We kind of want to be told what to do because, yeah. you know, especially in the West, there is this, you know, meritocracy um, and we get rewarded for sort of, uh, you know, putting on our blinders and doing our job and, and right. you know, executing the tasks that we've been told to do, especially if we're not in a, you know, creative field. Um, and so creativity and curiosity gets stifled. Um, and ultimately, you know, we are left to just sort of be bored, which isn't a very fun state to be in. Gotcha. Um, and so if you practice being having fun, especially if you do it through, you know, um, ways to foster wonder, ways to foster curiosity, you will see creativity increase um, quite profoundly. You know, again, these are things that sound so simple. So um, oftentimes, you know, it used to frustrate me, now I just kind of smile where people will scoff, like, oh, okay, fun, you know? And like, yeah, when it's studied in a lab, these have profound effects, you know, where you'll go back into your job um, reinvigorated and oftentimes able to see problems in a whole new light. You know, it's why, again, if we talk about fun in its broadest, um, you know, context that it's just pleasurable activity, that's why, like, people will be singing in the shower or on a nice, uh, you know, nature hike and get their most profound insight for work because you're not thinking in a linear fashion anymore. Right?
1: That's a really good point. That's a really, really good point. I mean, again, the, the you know, curiosity and, and having fun, it, it, it opens up and, and, and uh, it allows you it, it gives you a bit of focus too as well too like you like you can open up in a different area and be able to look back on something and focus and be like okay and solve. you know i, I always say i solve all my problems in the shower like you know, <laughs> <laughs> the problems of the world I'm like a a lot
0: a- of people you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: right. that's exactly it but i think as, as adults um uh, uh, cer- certainly fear is a good you know a, a, a drawback um life experiences uh we, we've gone through something and we kind of carry that baggage so to speak and uh th- and those are all things I, and i and i'm glad that you talked about the stifle fun because those are sorts of things that kind of hold us back we don't go anywhere
0: yeah and i think um the one that we haven't mentioned is a sense of duty right i think mm-hmm. a lot of folks it's a very interesting time um and there are a lot of schools that thought on it i'm certainly not a parenting expert because i know there's some really good ones out there but i've talked to a lot of them so that i can at least you know talk about this topic from a, a place of knowledge maybe not pure wisdom but um you know in the west we have a plethora of different different parenting styles and a real problem that's happened at least in my generation is that parents don't feel that their kids are safe in the open play right when i was a kid i got on my bike um, and played with kids and that's and and that gave um the license to my parents to do fun stuff so that they could have their own life, right? Now we're so integrated in with our children that we have this sense of duty to always be on and protect them. And it's causing some harm, unfortunately, because the one thing, you know, to circle back to children, the one thing that's so amazing about children is that they do have um, an amazing capacity for curiosity, right? When this is tested, um, if it's been unabated and not coached, It's amazing what they can do. You know, it's like a serious level, um, you know, based on, you know, whatever contrived scientific (laughs) instrument we're measuring it. But what we found is that in this new parenting style, especially in, you know, the modern Western parenting style, uh, parents will come in and coach and be like, no, you should do it this way. You should do it this way. Immediately, the kid goes into this role like, okay, my parent is trying to coach me. Curiosity gets thrown out of the window for both, right? And then the kids just waiting for instruction, you know, the same way you're waiting for your parents to tell you when to go to bed. I mean, and, and it's not anyone's fault. We're just, you know, it's just sort of like we used to have the autonomy and the agency as children sure. to, you know, to learn it on ourselves. And now we're being spoon fed. And then we're wondering why kids are bored, right? Like, because <laughs> they're just waiting for, you know, the next.
1: We haven't given them any instructions yet. <laughs>
0: And what's a shame is that they're finding their autonomy with video games. And so I, 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 I'm not, I don't villainize that at all. I mean, I, um, in a previous life, I made money marketing video games for Sony. So, um, and love Tony Hawk because I was never (laughs) a great skateboarder. And so to be able to vicariously live, you know, as an amazing skateboarder through that video game, I don't villainize it. But what I have learned through the science is the reason that kids are, in droves not only because of access but also because you know parents are robbing them of that autonomy to be able to have this safe space where they can do whatever they want so um you know it's twofold it's not just a technology problem it's the fact that we aren't giving them that space where they can make a mess where they can break eggs you know where they can like figure it out
1: that's right. I, I mean, I, I I remember as a kid being told, get out, like, play was encouraged, right? Yeah. Go out and play and come back when the streetlights are on, kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah. Whatever happened in between the time I left and came home was up to me as a child to figure out, and again, that's when the opportunities for curiosity or exploration. I don't mean social friends, all those sorts of things come into play, but I think it was encouraged, and that's really what your point is.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just that those opportunities to explore like a couple other studies, all it's a little bit tangential, uh, but like um, one, some that I found fascinating. Um, in the book, I talk about experience versus toys, right? And I, that's something that's um, picked up, you know, that you hear about, uh, you know, experience instead of things. Like that makes a nice meme. So I want to go, okay, you know, what is the true science behind that? No one, you know, some of the that I find the most fascinating is they'll give kids, you know, in these labs. Um, different sets of toys. So let's just use two hypotheticals, right? One kid will get uh, four toys um, and another kid will get 12. And each one of them is given an instruction what the toys do. Okay. The person with the four toys um, in, in most cases or you know, in a significantly manner um, will be a lot more creative and use those toys more than the person that has 12 and kind of knows that each one does one thing, right? And so... Um, again, the more that we're instructive and the more that we sort of, you know, have this abundance of like, okay, here are all these tools, but I'm not going to let you think, you know, it's just, it causes problems. So gotcha. sorry a little esoteric there on you, but I mean, it's just so replicatable that the more, um, you know, that we kind of get in the way of children, the more we rob them. And the reason I bring all that up is, you know, to kind of put a final point on your original question and that is that's what we've done as adults too right we look for um guardrails because we're afraid of the third rail right and so um when it you know one of the things that i suggest is like how can we undo some of that um in a very in in a way that feels safe to us right like how can we foster our own creativity how can we take those steps you know and some of it is i do have children so um (laughs) you know how do i find opportunities where i kind of let the kids lead and, um, you know, create a space where if they do break eggs within that environment, you know, that, that there is no consequences.
1: Gotcha, you. gotcha. You. So so on that, the idea, when you sort of talk about looking for ways, I, would you support the idea of like structuring time for fun? Is that a good approach? Yeah,
0: and so that's funny because there is a paradox there, right? Because um, it certainly is that spontaneity is an ingredient of fun, but I think as adults, we absolutely do need to schedule a fund. And it's something that um, isn't just like a, a one-off recommendation. It, it's um, you know, interwoven into much of what I recommend because uh, we've learned, you know, speaking of digital tools that are all kind of influencing us, that if something is on our calendar, it's immutable. Right? And so um, I, everyone that I've talked to, especially folks that um, you know, succumb to hustle culture, which tends to be a, a lot of folks that I reach, um they need to preserve that time on their calendar because if not they won't do it and so not only do we need to schedule that time so that it it, it does happen um there's a whole host of things that uh you know benefits that come from that right one it makes you mindful of how am I going to use that time so it's not just like you know you're leaving fun up to chance and happenstance um two it allows for transition rituals right so like if I'm scheduling a fun night with my family at six, I'm breaking from work. I'm not walking into the house on my phone and like, Hey, you know, Sloan is my daughter. So, Hey Sloan, you know, give me 10 more minutes. We're, you know, that is, um, we don't think much of that, but you know, at her age, that's, that's an emotional cue that, you know, you're not important to me and you know, know, that I'm prioritizing work over fun with you. and even, you know, for folks without kids, right? Like, you know, again, going back to memes, right? But where you see four people at happy hour and they're all on their phones, you know, really just finishing the day. What's the point of you guys being together? This is just an extension of work, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yes, to answer your question, absolutely schedule it. And not only schedule it, but make it immutable where, you know, if if fun is scheduled at six o'clock, you know, do that transition, start to wind down at the office at 745, if you need to close loops, you know, be on your phone then, and then know, you know, once, once you cross that threshold, whether you work from home and that's just walking out of your home office or you're actually walking out of the physical building, that work is done, you know?
1: Yeah, no, no, I think it's a good point. Um this ties into uh, something I've I've heard you speak on activity bundling. This is an opportunity for, for, to to do that as well. Could you explain what that is just so our listeners uh, understand that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. So that one's fairly simple. I mean, there's, it's sort of a twofold thing. Um, One is borrowed from behavioral science, but you know um, you know, at the, at at the simplest um, it's really just adding something to what you're already doing. Right. So again, these, Sound simple, but put into practice, they can have you know quite a profound effect, right? So, um, you know, if you're eating lunch and you have a best friend, um, that sorry, if you're eating lunch at work and you have a best friend that works, you know, in the vicinity, why not you know invite that friend to work? Um, right. it, uh, one that's studied quite a bit is um, uh, mundane work, like you know, uh, personal house cleaning, or perhaps cleaning out your inbox where, you know, you, you know, you've kind of parsed your emails that you really just need to get through, but don't necessarily, you know, need deep work behind them. Like, you know, putting on your favorite hip hop, um, you know, just to get through it. So that experience is more pleasurable. Um, the other aspect of it is um, habit bundling, where uh, if there is something that's uh, like a not fun task, you can bundle it with a fun reward at the end of it. And so, you know, you're anticipating that fun, but you make the overall experience, you know, better. So like, if I, you know, a lot of times we talk about it in regards to exercise, right? If I exercise, you know, with my friends, um, then, you know, we'll be able to go get drinks afterwards. And so what we found is that, you know, by culminating um, activities, we can get a lot more punch for our time. Because I'm not a big believer in time management, whenever you hear like, Um, you know, someone from productivity, like we're going to put more hours in your calendar. I keep waiting for that magic to happen. And I haven't, (laughs) you know, I haven't seen anyone stretch the day into 26 hours yet. right? (laughs) But um, to be able to, uh, you know, add that um, in, you can make things that, uh, you know, normally would just sort of be mundane, habitual activity, again, like eating lunch, right? And, And you can start to make those more fun. Um, you know, even (laughs) if that's just, uh, you know, during the pandemic, um, what I tried to do was, you know, just reach out to friends because, um, you know, it, it's obviously a timely example that, that might not be evergreen, but I found that most of us were sort of just sitting there, you know, eating lunch by ourselves. (laughs) Um, and so, uh you know, it's, it's it just being mindful of that fact, like, Hey, let me just reach out to folks and, you know, be the one that makes that connection. Right. right um, hey, right, Luke, right. what are you doing? You want to catch up over lunch? You know, we can just eat our lunch together and, right. um, and like, Oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You know, all it takes is one adult to, to make yep. the invitation. And if someone's too busy, you know, a nice thing about being an adult is we have a, a full toolbox of excuses, right? If you didn't want to hang out. Like, no space. shortage. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that form of acti- activity bundling for me was actually pretty cool because the few people that wanted to make it a habit with me, one, we were all checking in on each other because a lot of us were suffering a bit. I mean, I, you know, I won't hide from the fact that I got a bit depressed last year, you know, it was yeah. a weird time. I'm a fun guy, right? And I, all, all of that was getting stifled. Plus, I had this, you know, book too. Um, but uh, what it evolved to is a, a couple of us would do it um, walking too. So, instead of just eating lunch we also turned it into an activity where it's like now we're not just bundling two activities you know we're getting there's pro-social behavior of being able to connect um we're out in nature so that's feeling better Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm getting exercised you know um and so yeah i mean all it takes is that little mindfulness of like how can you make simple tweaks uh you know nothing too profound so that it becomes overwhelming but just like little you know and I hate to call it optimization because I think optimization can burn us out. It's more just like, you know, what what could I do? Like, could we invite, you know, a couple more people to right. make this more fun, you know?
1: Well, and what I love about that, Mike, is it's, it's, it's a very conscious thing that you're doing and, you know, you're, you're consciously creating the habit, right. And then it develops into this thing that you regularly do. And all of a sudden you've got this and, and, and now you're not, you're not even thinking about it. Oh, let me do this fun activity. It's just, let me do this activity that I enjoy.
0: Yeah. And I, so, um, a, a collaborator of mine that helps me edit my blog posts, she's a, um, she's. A true introvert so i always feel like i have to be her voice because i always talk about all this pro-social behavior nonsense and, and so like even if you're an introvert where you don't want to connect with other people you can still be mindful for it. so like she realized that she was bored she didn't necessarily you know she did want to connect with one person at a time but didn't want to necessarily always make it about you know doing something extravagant so but still being mindful of like okay are there two things a week that I'm doing where I'm like, this is purposeful fun, instead of just complaining about being bored, you know, and it's that stuff, right? There's 168 hours in a week. If you can't, you know, dedicate two of those hours to something that sort of fills you up, um, then, you know, you probably have other <laughs> concerns about listening to a podcast <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no again, I think
1: filling you up is the key in all this like you've got to find ways and I, and I think a really important piece about this is the the uh I, I guess subjectiveness of fun because you know I might like roller coasters and you may not right so no, that's exactly it's, it's, right it's also understand that it, it is to a certain degree an individual journey that we're all taking
0: no that's right so it's a bit insider uh, baseball so oftentimes i won't bring it up but so we talked about valence but that you know if you look at it as a four quadrant model um you know arousal is really you know the the gauge of of you know um our tastes right mm-hmm. and so to your point like i often bring up you know i love heavy metal music and my wife hates it her her you know type of fun is reading a good book so that's what we'll do you know i'll if we're both sitting at uh you know the pool i'll have my earbuds in you know with this high arousal sort of you know pleasurable experience and she'll be reading a great book you know slow and steady um, and both of those are equally as fun, you know, in a subjective context. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's again,
1: the, the idea of, of, of creating it, interjecting and understanding, you know, this is what works for me. And uh, again, we're all, we're all different. Right. And so once we respect those differences uh, and, you know, Hey, let's, let's go to the movies. I don't really like the movies. Okay. Then we won't because, you don't like, it. I mean, it's again, that's just an example, but it's, it's really just understanding one another. I think is really important in all this.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. So we'll find, you know, ways um, where we do meet in the middle, and then also, you know, being able to give um, each other space, and then also being open to try something, you know, with an open mind, and then, you know, if you don't like it, then you cross it off the list. Gotcha. Uh, you know, uh, I advocate for something called a fun file, and that's what's neat about it, right? Like, okay, you know, I might not necessarily like musical theater. Um, but if I were, our compromise would be, you know, the, um, the book of Mormon. And so that's definitely on our list. Right. Because like, yeah, I'm not a big theater guy, but uh, I like, you know, uh, uh, Trey and Matt, so, you know, I, I'll take the risk there, you know? Um, so there's always ways that sort of, you know, uh, if you deliberate, especially with a, a partner, yeah. um, you know, where, where you'll find the common ground for sure, if not, again bigger problems <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is true
1: i was gonna say the, uh, going back to the whole scheduling thing why and why i like that one of the things that i truly believed and have always tried to, to live by so to speak is uh, the idea of having something to look forward to right yep. And, and, yep. And, and, and and mike i, I truly believe that the, you know the quality of life increases if every day you've got something that you're looking forward to so if you're scheduling it and you've got it in your calendar it's something that you know you'll enjoy in that moment i think that affects and spreads out to the whole day potentially
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, going back to the science of savoring, I think, you know, having, um, things to look forward to things to engage in knowing that you have agency over your, um, you know, over your time. And then, you know, also, uh, reminiscing in, 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 fond memories. Right. So, um, yeah, all of that is part of the package. Um, yeah. you know, as long as I guess the only, again, sort of insider baseball, but the one thing that, um, We're like a word of caution about looking forward is just as long as you're not playing it up, right? So what, um, uh, you know, there are a few studies to suggest, again, because we're, you know, one of the downfalls of of being human is we do love to compare, right? And so one of the follies of happiness is it always seems to be um, that we're judging one experience against the other. So, um, you know, yes, look forward to uh, pleasurable experiences, but like, don't build up something in your head like You know, I can't wait till this vacation like crosses off X, Y, and Z, right? Because then oftentimes we'll get there and it didn't meet our expectations. And so I do try to look forward to fun events, but I don't try to levy any sort of expectations. So just that one caveat. Yeah, yeah, and I
1: think too as well, like, so I'm looking forward to this vacation and I've spent all this time that's six months away and all the things that between now and then, you know, I also could enjoy. But if you're got this big picture in front of you, you potentially, and we talked earlier about the significance of the moment and the now, right? And the yeah, yeah. chance of losing those things.
0: Yeah, I think like, you know, an example would be, um, uh, I just went on a surfing trip with, with my kids nice. and leading up to it, I w- was really enjoying like getting myself aerobically prepared because um, I used to surf when we lived in California, we now live in North Carolina. Um, And so these trips are far and few between, but I knew that if I arrived there unconditioned, you know, that (laughs) it wouldn't be as much fun. So I enjoyed the process of leading up to um, something. And then, but like, you know, to um, uh, eat my own dog food, you know, Elsa was part of that trip. So there were a few days that didn't meet my expectations, but I didn't let that get in the way. So instead we pivoted and had some good dinners and like I shrugged off the fact that you know, it didn't go completely my way and we still had
1: a ton of fun. So, yeah, yeah. no, that's true. A good point too. I like that. Cause I mean, you might look, I look, I've, I've, I've gone on vacation, not enjoyed every meal at the resort. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but does it doesn't affect your overall trip?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um you know, the 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 idea of sort of capturing moments and and uh whether you I don't know whether you journal or you show some gratitude exercise that you go through um and I think there's some significance in that as well too because it, it's you know call it reliving the, those moments of fun if you will is that is that is that fair to say
0: Oh my goodness yeah so it's a whole chapter in the book um, Oh wow uh, you, uh, but,
1: and I understood the listeners, I haven't seen a manuscript so yeah, it's not yeah, like- no,
0: that's why you queued me up. I think this is two for two. But um, yeah, so reminiscing is a huge part um, and there is definitely an art and a science to it. I think similar to fun, it's really meant to be developed you know, based on your own taste. So I do villainize journaling a bit only when it's over prescribed because it's gotcha. clear that when coaches say you know you need to journal every day, but that can become a very cumbersome experience, especially for people that are already busy. Um, but if you do it, uh, you know, for things that are really meaningful for you, it's absolutely a great way to, um, you know, capture events. Um, there's a whole host of different technologies that uh, can help you build, um, uh, you know, uh, tangible books and things from your social media accounts and stuff, so that you can, you know, relish and fond memories. Um, when we ever when we go on vacation, I create treasure chests with the kids, okay. you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be things that cost money. You know, you just pick up shells because what we do know is when you have tangible um, elements, uh, you know, it can really bring back those memories and you know extend the power of fun um, because you know you're able to relive that. And a lot of times, um, what we know from MRI studies, if you're really you know, vividly recalling that memory it can be almost as pleasurable as the real thing. Gotcha. So, you know, it could be, you know, a scent. You know, if let's say you were on your honeymoon and there was vanilla bean in the room, it could be making sure that you, you know, you carry that aroma in, in something. Um, for me, a lot of times I'll write down song lyrics that were uh, meaningful, you know, because as I already told you, I'm a big music lover. So, you know, just recalling the this, this song will bring back, you know, really, really fond memories um and so yeah you know either creating a repository for those memories curating those memories in some way like yeah. thing I advocate for is um uh you know especially big events like let's take weddings for example since then you know you'll get this really expensive photo album right That you would never want your kids to <laughs> you know, <laughs> get. yeah but you want your kids to live that right so um you know why not create you know, through Shutterfly or something else, like a $30 version that they can destroy, you know? And like, um, what a great way to reminisce, you know, through someone that's gonna ask you probing questions and has a genuine interest in, you know, why their, you know, mother and father were a prince and princess for a day, right? Um, And then, you know, so there's just some great ways. And then, you know, some more advanced strategies. One thing that I'll do is, um actually put time in my calendar to reminisce so like uh you know a bunch of my friends we went to a, a big concert in the Dominican Republic and I marked a day on my calendar so that I could reach back out to them in a year and be like hey guys do you remember that It's not something that everyone does right and so when they're like oh my gosh like, I can't believe you remember that like that was a year ago you know and that just created like a really great hour for all of us to sort of relive it like, you know potentially plan for the next trip um i won't lie to you we said we would and it didn't happen but that, you know, we'll blame it on covid That's right, yeah. um and then you know something that uh, i talk about a little bit too that's a little bit darker so i hope we're not ending soon but um i do like the idea of memento mori so here's a picture of me and my brother one of the last things we did um, mm-hmm. we uh um uh, road King Dakar in, uh, in New Jersey, it's the tallest roller coaster in the world. And it's one of the last things we did before he passed away. Mm. And so, you know, that's a reminder of how much fun we had together, but the fact that, you know, things are fleeting and so not to yeah. waste that time at all.
1: Mike, Mike, that's not dark at all, because I think if, mm-hmm. you, if you remember these, these moments of, of joy, right? And, and that's your lasting memory. We, you know, our, our loved ones that we lose, we keep them alive through these happy memories and through. Correct. So I, 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 I absolutely, I think that's a great idea. Um, when, you, when you talked about the photo album, I, I thought my, my youngest, my eldest daughter when she was younger, we had actually had a full album that she used to, it was an old album of different events and and she used to love going through it and she is obsessed with it. But, mm-hmm. and, and, and I remember because we're so, you know, you were visual people, but sure, whenever sure. I'd go, it would sit down and go, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. I found myself inside going, oh man, I remember that too. And so you yeah. are reliving that, right? So yeah. I, I thought of that story when you brought up the photo album. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they're great reminders. And as long as you like take it one step forward, Um, you know, you just take action, right? Like, oh my gosh, you you know, you tell a story about Sam and you realize I haven't talked to Sam for a year, Mm. you know, and you have one of two choices, right? To either just sort of acknowledge that sucks or, you know, actually do something. And if you're mindful to do something, then, you know, fun is actually contagious, right? Like, so another sort of scientific thing that we talk about is social contagion and it goes both ways, right? It's like, you know, misery certainly loves company, but so does fun. Right. And so like you light someone up and it almost always comes back to you. I'm not a big spiritual guy, but that one's been blowing me away a little bit. Like, I think the reason I didn't really tie it into, you know, is that if you wait around similar to, you know, some of the criticisms we've had uh, about happiness, um, you know, throughout our, our discussion, you know, if you wait around for something to reciprocate, you're going to, you know, you're going <laughs> to, it's, it's going to be a long time, right. but I just found the more you put out there, somehow it boomerangs back as long as you don't wait for it, you know, to boomerang back sure. and um, why not?
1: Anyways, even if it doesn't boomerang back, it's just more fun. <laughs> yeah, to- totally, totally. Mike, this is this has been really awesome. And I think, and one of the reasons I was, I mean, I, I was, like I said before, I was looking forward to this chat because I thought it was a lot of fun. But I also <laughs> I also felt that, um, I mean, when you look at this podcast we talk so much about living our best lives and living our most audacious lives and, 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 and a lot of that is tied into happiness. Well, there's a direct correlation uh, to, to fun and happiness. And uh, I think the key though, and you and you sort of touched on and alluded to a couple of times. And I want to ask you lastly sure, around sure. how we continue to create uh, the starting point for creating these habits of fun. Because there are people that are going, "Okay, I'm going to get conscious about it now." You know, what does that look like? Is my starting point to create these habits that I'm instituting fun? What What, what would you say to those individuals?
0: Yeah. So you know, we've talked about it all. So I can coalesce it, you know, into sort of a prescription. I think the first thing to do is really, you know, look at. Um, you know, do a time audit and, you know, kind of revolutionize it. So there's 168 hours in our week and we're, we habituate, excuse me, habituate so much more than we believe, right? So similar to, you know, a a registered dietitian asking you to do a nutrition journal, um, you know, it's kind of one of the least fun things I'd ask anybody to do. But um, if you look at your week, um, 80% of it's always going to be sort of the same, right? And so um, you take that. You look at opportunities. Of uh, you know, we talked about even if it's just two hours, where can I inject a couple? You know, areas of fun. And so there's two ways you could go about that. One, what are things that I don't need to do anymore that are just you know miserable things that I do? Maybe it's watching a show that you're like, wow, I don't even know why I'm watching that anymore. Right. You know, but right. um, so whatever it is. Like, what can I remove from my schedule so that I you know I have some opportunities to put new things in, and then you know, really challenging some of um, you know what I call story editing of why things might not happen. Right, like um, let's say you want to dance with your partner, right? I mean, that's kind of a cliche, but we'll, we'll use it because a lot of people, you know. And I hear so many adults go, "Oh, well, we couldn't do that on a Wednesday because that that's a weekend thing, right?" And like, you know, just using you know, just changing your mindset a little bit to be like, "Okay." this exercise is meant to be creative and challenge the status quo. And oh, like, wow, what a dumb thing that was to think that I couldn't go have dance lessons on a Wednesday, right? And, um, right? and so then like creating a fun file where you're looking at all of the things that you wish you could be doing that are either low hanging fruit or you know, big things. Um, and so if you get stuck, you know, there are all sorts of um, prompts that we can use to sort of get out, you know, what did you have fun as a kid? what's bringing you FOMO? Like, you know, when you go on your phone and you're like, yes. oh, you know, homeboy's doing this, like, what can, you know, why am I not doing it? Why aren't you doing it? You know? Right. What would it take? Um, and then a lot of times, you know, uh, there's a couple other prompts, like if you were turning 50 or 40 or 30 this year, like, what would be your big thing? Because for some reason, like these big milestone things are what bring us out.
1: They bring the best out of us, right? <laughs> yeah, but we can really do it whenever, right?
0: So like, there are all these silly ways to sort of bring it out, um, you know, and then just have that fun file and make sure that you're putting, you know, one or two things in each week. And it's that simple. Like, you know, it creates this upward spiral where, um, you know, in very few instances have I ever not seen that fly. We all just start to kick, you know, once that happens.
1: Amazing. Amazing. What, what, what can you tell us about the book, Mike?
0: Uh, The book comes out uh, next summer. It's called the fun habit. It's coming out through Simon and Schuster. Um, If you're interested in that content, um, please sign up for my newsletter at michaelrucker.com. And uh, yeah, you know, I, the whole purpose of this is just to try and create more fun in the world. So, you know, um, love to, to, you know, be part of it. And thank you so much for having me on and allowing me to share a little bit of this. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, I, again, I think the, the value of fun is good. I, I think of that Robin Williams movie, uh, Patch, Patch Adams. Yeah. yeah. The doctor, right. And you, t- and you look <laughs> at what humor and fun and, 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 the wonderful impacts it had on, you know, on individuals who were sick. So uh, I think, you know, injecting fun is, is, is a great way to lead to a long path of happiness. And thank you for your work, Mike. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's been awesome and fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Back we are here on the podcast, and I I really appreciate you, Mike, for for stopping through, uh, hanging out, uh, sharing your insights, expanding our knowledge uh, on the topic and science, uh, especially the science behind fun. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind that your book, uh, The Fun Habit, will be super informative, and I'd encourage listeners to uh, pick up a copy when it comes out. I definitely will be grabbing mine. Uh, And if you're looking for information on Mike, you can head over to his website at michaelrucker.com for more detailed information, release date, all that good stuff. You know, Mike left us with so much to think about. But if there's just one thing I would take away from our conversation, it would be this. FUN offers us so much benefits from improved health, uh, to reduce stress levels, uh, to increase energy, plus a whole host of other benefits. It's for this reason why we should look to interject fun in our lives at any opportunity that we can get. Even when things aren't going well, you could still have a bit of fun. Fun isn't intended to to make your problems go go away and they won't disappear because you have fun, but it will at least help you feel good in the moment. And it proves that you can still have fun, even in the darkest of times. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com. All you've got to do is enter in your email address and uh, you'll be immediately connected and, and notified every time there's new content that comes out. Uh, We've reached the end of of another edition of the Audacious Living Podcast. And as always, I got to send out a big, big thanks to uh, our tremendous listeners and lovers of audaciousness. Uh, Thank you so much for your ongoing support of the Audacious Living Podcast. It certainly means a lot and fuel for us as we continue to provide listeners with so much great content. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, As always, at the end of each episode, I encourage you uh, to stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious.
0: You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be
1: audacious.